Well, good morning, church. How are we today? Let me ask that again. You guys are probably still finishing up. Good morning, church. How are we today? All right. All right. So I don't know if this is my favorite gift ever, but it's most memorable and also the most infuriating. <laughs> um, I was a kid, and one of the hot shows at that time, I don't even know if this show is still around, but any of you, any Inspector Gadget fans? dun 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 dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Try to do that in the morning, yeah. Uh, and this particular year, it was like one of the, you know how they have like Tickle Me Elmo. Remember that was popular? Like this particular, this particular year, don't make me do my Elmo voice here, all right? This particular uh, year, Inspector Gadget was huge. And uh, you know how the things came out of his hat? They had all these attachments that came with this action figure. It's not a doll, okay? Dolls are for girls. It was an action figure, and it had like the helicopter, it had a hand that came out, and, and I was, that's, that's the only thing I wanted that year. I'm like, mom and dad, I want that. And these things flew off the shelf. And so, uh, but Sunday, mo or Christmas morning, I woke up, and lo and behold, I unwrapped an Inspector Gadget, and I was so pumped, so thrilled. Uh, I opened Inspector Gadget only to find out it was broken. And, and here was the thing, you know, you couldn't just take it back because there were no more anywhere. It was sold out and I never got another one. So if anybody has an Inspector Gadget figure somewhere you're not playing with, let me know. Anyway, those of you who may not know me, my name is Ben Hertz, I'm the senior pastor. And let me just wish you a Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, a few quick announcements as we get started. First of all, if you're sitting on the outside of your row, grab that register. We'd love for everybody to take the time, fill it out, lets us know that you're here. Uh, please let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can be praising God with you and any gospel conversations you are having. Uh, perhaps the holidays bring those opportunities. We'd love to be lifting those up for you. Uh, if you came prepared to give, you can give one of three, three ways. Uh, physically, in the lobby to the right, uh, there's a black box on the wall. You can place it in there. You can go to mygospelcc.org or you can also text by phone. Uh, if you do those instructions there, it'll lead you to a process to set that up, and you can do it that way. I uh, just want to uh, give you an update. Uh, we had prayed for uh, just the Christmas gift to Christ that we collected last week. We prayed that God would bring 15000 and currently where we stand now, uh, we have raised $21,000, so <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned that, the last week, that none of that will go to us. That will go directly to uh, Brad McCohen, who planted Mercy Hill Chapel. And I think Aaron's preaching there next week. You'll be able to take a check to them. That will be a huge blessing uh, to their church. And to Pastor Luis, who's just across 33, uh, that will be a blessing for their church as they grow the kingdom of God, Lord willing. And then also uh, Michiana Biblical Counseling Center, uh, which are in the middle of a, a building campaign to grow out their uh, facility to be able to counsel more people. So praise God for your generosity and for um, his moving in your hearts. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, tonight, just a reminder, we have our Christmas Eve service, which will be different than this. And uh, the doors will open at 530. We'd love for you to join us early for cookies and hot chocolate. Uh, we'll have harp playing approximately around 545. So glad to have Liz uh, with us playing this year. Uh, if you've never heard the harp, it, it is no wonder why Saul had David play it. It is one of the most soothing instruments. And uh, she's an incredible harpist. And so 
Uh, it'll be a great evening tonight. Uh, the service, no, no kids, no child care. Everybody will be with us. The service will only be about 35 minutes or so, roughly. It won't be a super long one. You'll be able to hang out a little bit afterwards, so we'd love to see you back here tonight. And then as we jump in the Word, I appreciate your prayers. Uh, I've been sick all week, coughing like a dog, and uh, made it through the first service, uh, but my, my voice is a little shot, so appreciate your prayers. But let me invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we're going to be talking about Emmanuel, God with us this morning. Well, every year it seems like Christmas comes and you're like, where did the year go? Like, here we are already. Uh, tomorrow morning, kids all around the world will wake up with great anticipation for what awaits them underneath the Christmas tree. Even, even at 45, I still find myself struggling to sleep Christmas Eve night. Anybody else with me in that? It'll be a heavy melatonin night tonight, I think. Uh, but but I, I just love the opportunity to, to watch my kids open their gifts, and they, they tend to be very thankful for whatever they give. I, I love the opportunity to, to hang out with family. Uh, it, it is a joyful time of year. Even last night, as we were putting our twins to bed, my wife and I were sharing old Christmas stories in the past, and I can recall just with great detail some of the memories as a kid on that morning, and, and it just made me think, man, life flies by so fast, doesn't it? Just the little chatters that we hear now, will it, their life will boom, and, and they'll be 45 like me one day, Lord willing, and you're just wondering, where have the years gone? For me, though, there is the same danger every year to just kind of get swept away in the holiday. There's this temptation that we all have to allow commercialism to distract us from the real hope of Christmas. And often, I don't know that I have gone sideways until it's all over. And then, and then there are times where I can find myself in this kind of deep sadness over it all. As it kind of settles in my soul, just kind of a, that's it? You ever have that? Where you're just like, this, I had all this anticipation and, and I feel this way afterwards? Well, this morning, I had the opportunity to remind us of the true reason we can have unspeakable joy, not only this Christmas season, but every day of our lives. You see, there is no greater gift we have received than the gift of that baby that was born 2,000 years ago. As we see in the Gospels, there was a young virgin named Mary who had an encounter with an angel and she was informed that she would become pregnant with the Messiah. At the time, if you remember, she was betrothed to Joseph. That just means they're sort of like engaged. They weren't yet married. And the, an angel also came to Joseph. And this is what the angel said to him in Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isn't that an amazing announcement? God came to dwell with us. You know, he didn't come in robes 
with gold on his fingers. He came as a baby and lived a humble, meek life. The Messiah that was prophesied so long before was finally arriving on the scene. Our main passage this morning is Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. So why don't you follow along with me as I read that for us. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of a Messiah that was fulfilled in Jesus who came. And Lord, he didn't come to rule as... The people thought he came to live the perfect life that we could not live and die the death that we deserve so that for those who repent of their sin and place their faith in Christ will have eternal hope. Lord, this morning, would you remind us of why we celebrate Christmas? God, would you protect us from getting swept away in the things that are of secondary value, God, that we would be amazed at your grace and mercy shown in Christ. God, thank you for our salvation. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his holy name we pray, amen. Well, this morning, I I would love to share three gifts that we find in the birth of Jesus, three gifts that help us to understand Why God with us is such good news. Here's the first thing. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our light. Verse 2, let me read that again. It says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. To the Israelites... The ones whom this prophecy was given to, they were living in a time of darkness. Uh, This wasn't a a physical darkness, but rather this was certainly emotional and spiritual darkness. In in verse 1, we see that God brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Uh, These were two northern tribes of Israel that were hit hard by the Assyrian army in 733 B.C. And and this left the people devastated. They, They found themselves Uh, led into exile and taken into captivity. 
Now, if there's anyone that would have needed hope in a time like this, it would have been the Israelites. I mean, just imagine yourself in their shoes. They had heard of stories of God's mighty power delivering the people over and over again many times. But yet, in the same fashion, over and over again, they walked away from God and did their own thing. In fact, if you read through the book of Judges, you see the phrase, they did what was right in their own eyes. And so their freedoms were stripped away. And this once thriving nation had now been exiled and taken captive. But then, in the midst of this, they received this prophecy There is a great light coming. It's a a light that will dispel the darkness. And of course, we live on this side of Jesus, and so we know that that light is Christ. And I want for you to see that in the New Testament, this prophecy fulfilled. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 for a moment. Let's just look. We're going to see these very same words in these same countries listed here in the book of Matthew. Jesus is the fulfillment written in Isaiah. Matthew 4, starting in verse 12, says this. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus is the fulfillment of what was written in Isaiah. And that same light that was shown in the manger 2,000 years ago is still shining on the darkness that we face today. So let me ask you, are, are you facing darkness in your life today? Have you encountered such hard things that have led you to feel like you're in the dark? L- let me just tell you this morning, there is hope for you. And what I think will be best to help us understand all this is first asking the question, why was there darkness in the first place? First of all, we must understand that's not how the world started. That's not how it started with Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, when God created the garden and placed them in there, there was perfection in their relationship. They had complete unity at the beginning. Imagine that. No conflict. Adam and Eve, for I don't know how long of a period of time, had perfect unity with one another and had perfect unity with God. But of course, we know that didn't last long. For as you recall, God told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They found themselves tempted by Satan, and ultimately they ate of the fruit, and sin entered the world. And so darkness began to settle on mankind. And it put a wall between God and man. And therefore, every person born apart from Jesus is born into spiritual darkness. Looking again at Isaiah 9.1, ultimately the reason for the darkness for the Israelites was not 
because the Assyrian army was stronger than the Israelites. That's not the reason for the darkness. It wasn't because of a superior, a superior battle plan. The real reason for the darkness the people experienced was because of their own sin. You see, these were God's chosen people. God picked them in order to carry out his ways and make much of his name. But as you read throughout the Old Testament, you see God's people turn their backs on him over and over and over again. And so, because of their sin, God allowed the Assyrians to overtake them and thus fall into this darkness that they found themselves in. And this morning, we also face darkness in our world. Why? It's because of sin. The reason there is pain and suffering at all is because of sin. Why is there sickness? Why is there death? Why are relationships so hard? Why do so many marriages end in divorce? It's all because of sin. But listen, when we understand this, when we understand that darkness exists because of our sin, it makes us cry for the light all the more. This darkness is a problem also that we must understand we cannot solve. We don't hold the flashlight in our hands. The light switch is outside of our grasp. And yet, don't we try so often to bring light to our lives? We run after good-paying jobs, and we buy lots of toys that we think will make us happy. We look for relationships, but then find out that relationships don't always meet our needs, and so often we move on to another. We can find ourselves struggling with being a bad person, so man, if I just became a better person, things would work out, so we start doing a bunch of good things. We, we go to church, we give to charities, we nice to people, hoping that somehow we will feel better about ourselves by all the good deeds that we perform. But here's what we need to understand. This darkness can't be taken away by anything that we do. No matter how hard we try or the good works that we perform, we can't turn on the lights. The light comes when God opens our eyes and exposes the darkness and the lies in our own hearts and helps us to understand that we need someone to pay the price for our sins so that we might be made right with him. And we know that that someone is Jesus. That's why he was born as a baby. This is what often leaves me overwhelmed at Christmas time. I think I shared this last year, but typically, uh, well, every year when we get up, before we do anything, we read from Luke 2. And oftentimes, I, my kids kind of make fun of me because it leads to tears. But what I'm thinking about is this little baby that, you know, we, we have this cute picture of a baby in a manger, but the full picture, this baby came to die. Jesus is our light. And in his death and resurrection, his light shines the brightest. So a question for you to ponder this morning, are you experiencing the light of Christ in your life? Have you turned away from your sin and embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Listen, if that's happened for you, your greatest problem has been paid for. His light shines bright on your soul. But listen, if you find yourself 
having never repented of your sin and placing your faith in Christ, let me encourage you. I'm asking the Lord even now to bring conviction on your soul. And if you find yourself overwhelmed this morning with those thoughts, Nick and I would love to take some time to pray with you even this morning. But the first gift that we get in Emmanuel, God with us, is that Jesus is our light. Look at verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here's the second gift. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our joy. Throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites, of course, we mentioned they're God's chosen people, they, they experienced great affliction. And in verse 4, we, we get a glimpse of what those afflictions look like. It says, the yoke of his burden. You remember the Israelites when they were in Egypt? Not how they originally got there. Remember Joseph was sold into slavery. He rose up in, in, in the Egyptian king's house and became basically second in command and eventually brought all his family over because of um, a great famine. And while they lived in Egypt, they grew to a numerous amount of people. People say upwards of a million people. And the Egyptians noticed this, and they, and they were afraid. And so what they did is like, we need to enslave them and work them hard. There was this yoke of burden that was put on them. In verse 4, you also see the staff for his shoulder. The staff represents power. And the Israelites were often under the power of other nations, Egypt being one of them. It was a heavy weight for them that they could not overcome apart from intervention from the outside. The yoke, the staff, and also you have the rod of his oppressor. The rod was a tool of punishment. They experienced a lot of torture from their enemies. And what happened is, is these were broken because of Christ. Now each of these three things would have invoked images for the people of God. They understood what those items represented and they would have recalled personal experience. And so let me ask you this morning, have you experienced suffering in your life? Have you felt a massive yoke on your shoulders? The weight that it's all up to you to straighten out your messed up life. And yet no matter how hard you try, you are consumed with your failures day after day. You are bogged down by all the ways that you've screwed up. Maybe this year you have found yourself being the oldest one in your family. And so the weight of leading your family has has you down after a, a tough season. Let me just remind you of the joy that we find in Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 
chapter 11. Let me remind you of this yoke that is no longer something that we have to deal with. This heavy weight of having to have it all together, of taking care of our own problems. We don't have to deal with this. Matthew eleven twenty eight. these are familiar words to believers. It says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Feeling heavy by the weight that you're trying to carry this morning? The burdens that you are trying to lift up on your own? Let me remind you, hand it off to Christ. He will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, so often... People look at God and, and think of him as a judge. Is God judge? Yes, absolutely. But we often can approach him as he's got this hammer ready to smash down on us every time we mess up. But that this is not what Jesus says here. Learn from me. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Like, listen, Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows where you are at. He understands your temptations. He knows your failures, and this is why he came to die. Lay those things down. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you weren't meant to carry this load. Perhaps you find yourself outside of Christ this morning. You don't have to carry that load anymore. You don't have to be overwhelmed by those around you by beating down by the world. And so if you find yourself oppressed by those around you, beat down by the world, overpowered and unheard, the good news is this. Jesus has broken all of these things, and he has made a way for freedom through repentance and faith in Christ. And listen, when we learn to do this, when we learn that Jesus has an easier way. Oh, the joy that fills our hearts. And we can say like the psalmist in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Let me encourage you this morning to turn your eyes to Christ, the one who carries our burdens. Jesus is our joy. Look at verse Six. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here's the last gift of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. In, this verse, in these verses, we see Jesus given four different names. First of all, he is called Wonderful 
counselor. Counselor. Literally, it means a wonder of a counselor. He's an amazing counselor. Wonderful is the closest Hebrew word to supernatural. In other words, the wisdom of Jesus is so far above earthly wisdom. Don't you? No, there, there are times where God's promises and God's truth seems blocked to me, but then there are other times where gloriously he opens my, not only my mind, but my heart to receive his promises and his counsel, and it does wonders to your soul. I mean, doesn't God's word speak so differently than the things of this world? I mean, think, think about this. Whoever would come after me must do what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Isn't it, isn't it so true that there is so much more joy when we are living for someone else than when we live for ourselves? Like, I, I have found that to be incredibly wise. I have far more joy when Jesus is my ultimate desire. Because nobody else can get in the way. But if I'm living for Ben Hurts, who gets in my way? Everybody. Because guess what? Nobody else here is living for Ben Hurt. <laughs> and so when we live for ourselves, things go drastically horrible for us. This is the wonderful counsel of God. It goes against everything in our flesh. But when we actually live it out and pay attention to the joy that it brings when we live for the glory of God alone, it's amazing. He is our wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. This is a word used elsewhere for, for one valiant in battle. How, how many of you long to have someone fight your battles? Jesus is omnipotent. It means he is all-powerful. It means no one can overthrow him. Jesus is completely sovereign over all things. Let that settle in. There's nothing outside of Jesus' power. There's nothing outside of his control. There's nothing outside of where he, was, he doesn't know what to do. He holds all things within his hands. He is mighty God. He has no rival. He has no equal. Jesus is everlasting father. He's the father of eternity. He's one with his heavenly father. He's always been and Jesus always will be. And even now, Jesus is preparing for those who have repented of their sins an eternal home full of eternal glory and joy forevermore. This is why Paul can say, I don't, I don't consider comparing these light momentary afflictions to the, to the glorious weight of eternity. He is everlasting Father. He is preparing a place for us even now. The last title we see there is Prince of Peace. This is referring to the nature of his rule. It's one of peace. Not peace in the sense that everything around us will fall into place and work exactly like we want it. This is not a peace of circumstances that work together for our or like our good and that we enjoy and we love. But rather, this is an, an internal peace. That no matter what is going on around us, he will never leave us or forsake us. I've come to realize in life that the scripture is true. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Everybody suffers. No, nobody has a suffer-free life. And so the last thing I, I want to put my hope in is peace in my circumstances. Peaceful circumstances. I, I, I know that's coming one day, but not while we live here on this earth. And what I've come to find out is, you know, like, you, you've heard the story that 12 years ago I lost a brother. And it was, you know, the most horrible season of our life. And yet, even in the midst of that, there was peace because I knew where my hope lies. I'll take the internal peace over peaceful circumstances all day long. Because eventually the rain will come. The storms will come. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Again, I, I just want to mention the greatest thing about Christmas is that we remember what this Messiah came to do for us. So as we close, let me just have you turn to Isaiah chapter 53. You know, my prayer for us is that we wouldn't just get caught up in the presence and the lights and the songs and the family gatherings that we may have. Or perhaps those are overwhelming to you and there is no joy for you in the season of Christmas. Let me just remind you of the reason why we can have joy. This baby that came 2,000 years ago, he came with a purpose. Isaiah 53 verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I mean, this is what is so amazing. What other king, what other ruler was acquainted with grief like Jesus was? I mean, who deserved to come and have a kingdom where everyone worshiped him? Who deserved to have an easy reign? And yet, Jesus, that's not the way he came. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. You remember what happened in the garden. Where, where did all his friends go? They scattered. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. This baby came to take on the weight of the sins of every person who would ever believe. Yet upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed you see jesus in his first coming didn't come as a conquering king over human enemies as the people expected he came to be the king to conquer our sin and now he reigns in glory and one day he will come again 
to once and for all do away with all sin. And listen, here's the good part. He will wipe away every tear. He will cleanse every ailment from your body. How many of you can say an amen to that? So as you go about your Christmas festivities, remember this. 2,000 years ago, the baby that was placed in a manger is our king who gave us life on a cross for our sins. He rose again, therefore defeating sin's power once and for all. And so my prayer for us is that we will have the hope of Christ in our life. For Jesus indeed is our light. Jesus is our joy. And Jesus is our reigning king. Let's pray. God, thank you for the hope of Christ this Christmas, the hope of every day. God, help me, help us to be filled with joy, not because of anything we receive, to be filled with joy, not because of relationships thriving, not because gathering with family goes well. Let us be overjoyed because that baby came and paid the price for our greatest problem, our sin. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. To him be glory forever. Amen.